Chapter 1. What did Jesus preach about? My sole purpose in this book is to describe in uncomplicated language what I think the Bible tells us about God, about what the creator of the universe had in mind when he created the heavens and the earth, about God's grand design. What is his great purpose for you and for the world? I want to explain to you what he expects of you and me in whatever condition we find ourselves, what God's goal is for you as you battle your way through life's difficulties. And I want to show you what God has in store for those who really love him and his son, Jesus. Perhaps you're an important and influential financier, controlling large sums of money. Perhaps you are a teacher, touching the minds of the young as they gather before you daily in school. Perhaps you are thankfully working as a housekeeper in a Malawi guest house, mopping floors and washing dishes, or serving breakfast to the constantly changing population at your workplace. In Malawi, a country in Africa quite well known to me, one is very thankful to have a job at all and a salary, however meagre. Most of the good Malawians we have been privileged to know have no job and no prospect of ever having one. Many live on a form of maize as a staple diet. They call it nsima. Many of our friends in Malawi, as in many other countries, do not have electricity or plumbing. Yet God is interested in them not a bit less than anyone else. God is not impressed with social standing, but he's interested in his creation. He's interested in you, whoever you are, wherever you are. He's in search of people who will take his words and instructions through Jesus with utmost seriousness. I repeat, God is not much interested in your, quote, station in life your titles or your degrees or your accomplishments. But God is interested in your immortality, in your living forever. He created you with immortality in mind. Immortality means you cannot die. To be immortal means to be indestructible. It means that once you acquire immortality, which you do not yet have, you cannot ever cease to be alive. You will have life forever. When you are immortal, you cannot be diseased. You can never be killed. You will simply be indestructible, as is claimed for some of those so-called unbreakable children's toys. I want to tell you about God's immortality plan for human beings. It is actually not a very complicated plan. If it were, one would have to have special intellectual skills and ability to understand it. You do not need any brilliance or special training to grasp God's immortality plan. But you do need an open mind and a passionate, truth-seeking attitude. You need a strong desire to know the truth. Jesus called it, quote, hungering and thirsting after the right way to understand and act. 
And Jesus described the quest for the secret of immortality as a hunt for priceless treasure. You need no special skills to read this book. I want to make things simple, but I want you to understand that you may not have learned much of what the Bible tells us about immortality in church. I will ask you to evaluate that last statement when you have finished reading this book. If God had provided us with a Bible which only a learned scholar with years of training can understand, he cannot have intended ordinary people to understand Scripture, that is, the Bible. But the records we have of Jesus when he was on earth show that he preached to the uneducated as well as the educated. He wanted his immortality message, what he called, and we should call, the gospel, to be accessible to everyone willing to listen with an open mind. All they had to do was to pay careful attention, give themselves wholeheartedly to what Jesus said, and then pursue the goal for their lives, which Jesus laid before them. And they were to pursue that goal relentlessly for the rest of their lives. They were never to give up. Whatever opposition or trial might come their way, nothing could be more important than obtaining immortality, that's to say life forever and ever. He who endures to the end will be saved. People pursue goals in different fields with single-mindedness. They often give themselves wholeheartedly to the pursuit of goals which have no ultimate value. Is it too much to ask that we dedicate ourselves to gaining immortality, the only goal which really lasts and lasts forever? What goal did Jesus present to his audiences? What was the heart and core of all of his preaching and teaching? Quite simple. Just open your Bible. If you do not happen to have a Bible, please read on. At some point you will probably at least have access to a Bible, and I'm going to tell you the story of the Bible and often quote large sections of it in this book. So just open your Bible to Luke chapter 4 and verse 43, and you will find Jesus telling us in that passage what he was, quote, all about. You will find him in that verse, Luke 4.43, giving his mission statement, the purpose for all his preaching and teaching, the reason for his whole activity in the service of God, his Father. You will find here Jesus' precious master word, the genius of all he stood for and loved. Jesus, as you know, claimed to be the Son of God. If you had asked him who his father was, he would have looked you in the eye and said, God is my father. I trust that would have got your attention, your undivided attention. How many people do you know who can say, quote, God is my father, meaning that they have no human father? Yes, Jesus had no human father. The difference between Adam and Jesus is that the life of Jesus began in the womb of Mary, his mother. Adam was made from the dust of the ground. Both Adam and Jesus are called Son of God.
More about who Jesus is and was in a later chapter. For the moment, I want to be sure that you have grasped the stunning information given by Jesus in that verse in Luke 4, verse 43, which I just referred to. Luke 4, verse 43. Write it down. Memorize it. It's a marvelous unpacking of the mind of Jesus. It tells you about his career, what his aims were, or rather what his single aim was. To know what Jesus thought the purpose of life was is indeed a great privilege and treasure. You can share his aims. Christianity is about thinking and being like Jesus. Luke 4 verse 43 provides a brilliant insight into the mind, the career, and the purpose of Jesus, and therefore of Christianity. And what drove the whole career and mission of Jesus? Let him answer. I came to preach the gospel or good news of the kingdom of God. That is what I was commissioned to do. Yes, that is what Jesus was sent by God to do, to announce the gospel of the kingdom of God. Since that was Jesus' mission statement, that is the heart of the Christian faith. This is where your study of Jesus and his message must begin. Not to grasp what Jesus said here is to miss out on the whole point of his activity for some three years in Israel 2,000 years ago. So please look again at Luke 4, verse 43. Read it in any translation. The sense will be very clear. Jesus was an impassioned preacher of what he called the gospel or good news about the kingdom of God. God sent him, commissioned him, that is, authorized him to do just that, to preach the gospel about the kingdom. The gospel, then, is about the kingdom of God. That is fact number one about Jesus' version of Christianity. It is a fact which can be verified very easily by any reader. I have to repeat this. The gospel of the kingdom is the summary statement of the Christian faith. Jesus said it was. And if you're going to follow Jesus, it's wise to adopt his gospel of the kingdom as the center of your interest from now on. It was Jesus, quote, magnificent obsession, as someone has said. And if you want to think like Jesus and be like Jesus, the only sensible policy is to adopt his mission statement as yours. The kingdom of God is Jesus' rallying cry and slogan. I don't mean, of course, that you rush out today to preach the kingdom of God because we need to find out first what he meant by gospel or good news and what he meant by kingdom of God. Don't let anyone tell you that it's impossible to know what Jesus meant by the kingdom or that the kingdom is just something in your heart. And never let anyone tell you that Jesus' gospel of the kingdom is not for you. But it's futile to proceed further in your search for the meaning of the universe, for the purpose of God in your life, 
until you've thoroughly taken in the basic fact that Jesus' purpose, and remember he was the spokesman for God, his Father, was to announce the gospel about the kingdom. That gospel will open up the secret of living forever. It will also open up your understanding of the whole Bible. I invite you, if possible, with open Bible, to notice the verses which immediately follow Jesus' great and classic statement about the whole point of his mission and about Christianity in Luke 4, verse 43. You will find in Luke 5, verse 1, that people listening to the gospel of the kingdom were listening to what Luke calls, quote, the word of God. Now that phrase, word of God, is one which you really must understand if you're going to make sense of the Bible and especially the New Testament books. Just as we in the West all recognize the term the states as shorthand for the United States of America, so Luke establishes for us here a shorthand for the gospel of the kingdom. Since the gospel of the kingdom is the heart and core of everything Jesus said and did, it's natural for those in the know to refer to that great saving gospel message about the kingdom simply as, quote, the word of God, which means the message, the gospel message. Other New Testament writers refer to the gospel of the kingdom simply as, quote, the word. This is no more difficult than understanding the fact that we often refer to the president of the United States of America as simply the president. We all recognize this, but most people do not know what, quote, the word or word of God means. They lose out on a massive piece of vital information if they do not know what word or word of God in the New Testament almost invariably means, namely the gospel about the kingdom as Jesus preached it. I want to make this point crystal clear. Please do not confuse the important phrase, Word of God. It's not just another way of referring to the whole Bible. Unfortunately, in churches and on radio and TV, this vital phrase, Word of God, is constantly used as just another way of referring to the Bible. Why is this point so important? Because within the whole Bible, which is called the Scriptures, or holy writings, we have what's called, quote, the Word or the Word of God. And both those phrases mean the saving gospel message of the kingdom, which both Jesus and the apostles always preached to the public. Is that point clear to you? Let me give you just one of many examples. In the book of Acts, we very often read that the preachers preached Quote, the word. What does that mean? Is that just a general and vague statement about preaching anywhere from the Bible? No. The word, or the word of God, is the specific gospel preaching about the kingdom of God. This goes back to Jesus' own preaching. We read in Acts 13, 44, next Sabbath, almost the entire city gathered to hear 
the word of God. Another passage, they, quote, went everywhere preaching the word. Acts 8 verse 4. This was not a general lecture on the Bible. It was the gospel as Jesus had preached it. Acts 8.12 defines the word for us beautifully. The word is the core of the Bible. The Bible is certainly the words of God, but the heart of the Bible is called the gospel or word or word of God many times in the New Testament. To confuse, quote, word of God, thinking that in the New Testament it simply describes the Bible, would be like not knowing the difference between London and England. If someone says they're going to London, they do not just mean a journey to somewhere in England. To misunderstand that phrase, quote, word of God, is to throw away a very great key to understanding the teaching of Jesus. It is to throw away a key to God's immortality plan for you. Jesus was the first and authoritative preacher of the saving gospel. And it's quite untrue. In fact, it's a disastrous mistake to say that Jesus' gospel was meant for Jews only. It is, of course, true that Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom to his own Jewish people first. But later he commanded his disciples to preach the very same gospel of the kingdom to everyone. The gospel is meant for everyone. Hebrews 2 verse 3 is a verse which everyone should memorize. Salvation, it says, was first preached by the Lord Jesus. So if you're interested in salvation, you must therefore determine to find out what Jesus preached. And the gospel about the kingdom is for everyone. It's the Christian gospel. The death and resurrection of Jesus are part of the gospel, but not the whole gospel. We're going to see that it is this gospel of the kingdom, including, of course, the facts about Jesus' death and resurrection, which we must grasp, all of us, and understand and take into our lives as vital spiritual food. It's the gospel about immortality, and we insist with Hebrews 2 verse 3 and a mass of Bible verses that Jesus is the first model preacher of immortality. Here's how Paul put this fascinating and important concept. Paul wrote to Timothy, his student in the faith, that Jesus had, quote, brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. 2 Timothy 1 verse 10. There it is. Stop and ponder that wonderful statement. It was Jesus preaching his gospel of the kingdom who brought the secret of how to live forever to light. It was in Jesus' message and in no other that we are invited to find the amazing secret of living eventually forever. But in church, this simple fact about the word being the gospel of the kingdom is not clear. 
In fact, the gospel itself is not clearly defined. Often it's defined with no mention of the kingdom. Many in churches have very vague ideas about what the gospel is. In church circles, you will almost never hear the phrase gospel of the kingdom. So has the voice of Jesus been lost or suppressed? Jesus and Paul spoke about the gospel of the kingdom of God, but churches do not. They do not sound like Jesus and Paul. Now, people today sometimes go to extraordinary lengths to preserve their lives for a few extra years. Many die much too early due to smoking or other practices which take years off their lives. Some in California have their dead bodies frozen in the hope that science will find a way of bringing them back to life. What these people do not understand is that Jesus has already told us how we can live forever in indestructible life. He said that the secret is bound up with his gospel message about the kingdom of God. In another chapter, we're going to look at and hopefully listen very carefully to that gospel of the kingdom, which Jesus said was the very purpose of all his preaching and teaching. Remember that Paul said that Jesus had revealed the way to immortality in that gospel or word. Presumably you are interested in living forever. Does the idea of having eternal youth, in fact finding the fountain of youth, not being able to die, grab your attention? It does mine. The secret of life forever and ever is sitting right there in the pages of the Bible, but I doubt that it has been clearly explained to you in church. If that sounds incredible, please hear me out. Read on and see for yourself. There are historical reasons why important Bible truths have been largely lost to huge church organizations. May I remind you to listen carefully and see if churches use the same language about the gospel as Jesus did. Do they speak constantly about the gospel of the kingdom? Jesus always did. Paul always did. Both of these men, Jesus and Paul, quote, welcomed the people and began talking about or preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Both Jesus and Paul were impassioned kingdom of God preachers. Please look up Luke 9 verse 11 and Acts 28 verses 30 and 31 for this vitally important fact. Ponder it deeply and compare it with what you've heard in church. So what have we said so far? That God, who is alone the creator of all things, Isaiah 44:24, and the one who gives us every breath we breathe and equips us with our amazing bodies and minds, has an ultimate plan and purpose for every human being born. That purpose can be discovered in the Christian Bible, though due to a great muddle in churches, you may not have seen or heard that plan clearly explained. It ought to be possible to remedy that situation. In addition, we've pointed out to you Luke 4, 
43, which is the grand mission statement of Jesus himself. It reveals his whole purpose. It was to preach the good news about the kingdom of God and how to gain immortality in that kingdom. In the next chapter, we begin to investigate what Jesus meant by the gospel of the kingdom. But before we do this, let me leave you with a question. Are you aware of having heard sermons on the gospel of the kingdom? If your answer is doubtful or no, you might wonder why this is. In our book, The Coming Kingdom of the Messiah, a solution to the riddle of the New Testament, we document numerous statements by leading preachers and writers admitting they do not preach the gospel of the kingdom and that the church really has not for much of the past 2,000 years preached the gospel of the kingdom. Since churches are meant to be representing Jesus and his gospel, are they in fact doing their job if they never or seldom talk about the very subject which Jesus said was the whole point of Christianity? Give that question some serious thought. You might even inquire among your friends if they define the gospel as Jesus did. Ask them in a non-threatening way what the Christian gospel is. If they do not immediately respond that it is the gospel of the kingdom, you might follow up by asking them why their answer was different from Luke chapter 4 verse 43 and hundreds of other verses we have not yet had time to look at. You could make your point like this. You could invite them to look up Matthew 4.17 and 23 and Matthew 9 verse 35 and Luke 8 verse 1, as well as Acts 8 verse 12, Acts 19 verse 8, and Acts 28 verses 23 and 31. You need no special skills to see what it was which kept Jesus fully occupied. And there are masses of verses like these. These conversations about the gospel and immortality can be fascinating, so much more interesting than talking about football or the weather. The lady cutting my hair recently, who had attended church since childhood, was astonished when I pointed out that she had been praying for years in the Lord's Prayer for the kingdom to come. She confessed to not knowing what thy kingdom come meant. It apparently had not occurred to her that her prayer was for Jesus to come back and relieve the present world system of its awful problems and injustices, and that the kingdom is the central subject of the Christian saving gospel.